Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Today, joining me, the Raptors Republic OG himself, Sarar Siddiqui. How do you, how's it going? I'm happy to be on for the first time on the show. Nice. Welcome debut. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I haven't had you on earlier, but I'm glad I have you on now. We're going to talk all things NBA playoffs. We're going to get into some Raptors talk, get into just your general feelings about how you felt uh, the last, you know, tail end of our season has gone. I'm not sure the last time you were on the pod or on any of our pods, but I feel like that'll be fun to uh, jump into. Uh, Let's talk about Lakers Warriors first, because that is the marquee matchup. Uh, We're recording this on Thursday. So we saw last night uh, the Warriors winning game five. Zara, like, how do you feel about either of these teams? Do you think the Warriors can come back for a game seven? Are you like a diehard LeBron fan? Like, where are you at with all of this? By the way, uh, the marquee matchup for uh, old timers is Heat Knicks. <laughs> the history there uh, with Jeff Van Gundy and, uh, and all that stuff. So I've been enjoying that series as well. Uh, but the Lakers Warriors, you know, of course, I think uh, you know that's been fun to watch. And where am I on the Lakers Warriors? Like I've had this weird relationship with LeBron. Um, mm-hmm. I've realized as most Raptors fans do. Right. It's 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 gone from like love hate, love hate, and you know. It's, it's sort of right now landed on respect more than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I definitely find myself, I went into that series, you know, open-minded, let's see what's going on. Uh, but as it goes on, like I'm kind of wanting LeBron to sort of push his team through. Uh, so I, I, that's where I'm landing with, with, with that series. But it's been, it's been a joy to watch on, on all fronts. Uh, it's it's nice to see LeBron sort of lead from behind rather than just dominate in scoring and rebounding and use his physicality to just dominate, uh, you know, every other possession. Uh, you see LeBron doing things that you're not used to seeing LeBron do, like miss like four foot gimmies or like, you know, use his mm-hmm. strength to get into a point and then kind of like blow the layup or, or, or not shoot or not make shots that we're used to see him making. And to see him change from winning games by just being dominant to being more of a facilitator, but not facilitator as in the assist sense, but facilitator as in the kind of court leadership sense uh, and using that to drive people has been a joy to watch. And, and on the other side, you know, I, I, have, a, I have a, you know, a couple of people you know, I talk NBA ball with and, and, and I'm like, I've always thought Steph Curry has been in the, you know, in, in the conversation for best player in the league, for, I don't know, man, 10 years straight. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think the dude is the greatest shooter of all time. Uh, he is arguably one of the best dribblers of all time. He is ambidextrous. He, he can make passes that most other players can dream of making. Um, 
and then you come you obviously you you combine that with with clay thompson who again might be a i i don't know what what number but like top five shooter of all time that, yeah. that wouldn't be a that wouldn't be a, a bold statement by any means so to see that dynamic uh you know play out and Le- lebron having sort of the weaker team and the underperforming superstar uh while you have this firecracker on the warrior side with with draymond like it's adding up to like a nice little uh, soap opera, which is uh, you know, which is which is quite cool. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is another guy that uh, mm-hmm. I'm really starting to enjoy. I followed his career, you know, L.A. Mini and all that. Uh, and he had a stint with the Warriors too, right? He he did. Yeah, I think it was a. It was that he was he was he part of the Wiggins trade? Yeah, I think he might. I think yeah, yeah, yes, he was. Yes, he was. I think so. Yeah, he came back. Yeah. So there's, there's all these interesting players and the style of play is also different. It's nice to see the Lakers sort of want to play in the half court a lot more, which you don't find too often. I think Miami does it a bit more now, even though they're not great at it. Um, but, <laughs> but it's nice to see the half court make a pseudo comeback in this series um, versus the Warriors, who obviously right, like to operate more in transition. So lots going on in that series. Um, I agree. It has been a joy to watch. I think we're kind of at a place in our fandom where we can just appreciate the greatness and we're not taking it for granted. Like maybe we did when we were, when we were younger perhaps. And um, yeah, I completely agree. Like I personally, I am a Warriors fan uh, outside of the Raptors. And I also think I just have a long legacy of rooting against LeBron and why stop now? That's kind of how I see it. But I do think when, you know, all said and done and he retires, I'm going to miss him a lot. Like I've never enjoyed rooting against someone more than I've enjoyed rooting against LeBron, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like he's he's my NBA fandom's greatest foe. And I love that. Although with that being said, if they get past this Warrior series, I I think I do want them to win it all. Because I think it'll just add so much to LeBron's legacy and I'll really enjoy that. But I think if they end up seeing the heat in the finals again, there's no way I could root against Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I think uh, I, 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 the other day I, comp- I was talking to uh, Sam and uh, I, I, we actually compiled a list on who I would like to see win the title. And my order was this, Miami, Denver, Lakers, <laughs> Knicks, Warriors, Suns, Sixers, Celtics. Wow. Do you want to walk us through that a little bit? Uh, sure, sure. Let me. Uh, so, okay. So, uh, Miami because of Kyle Lowry, Denver because they're kind of like a you know small market team. Uh, Jokic is a low key player. It's nice to see like low key guys get some success. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lakers because of uh, LeBron and the Knicks because well you know I think it's just healthy for the league to have a good team in new york uh, i'm not a i'm not a i'm not a knicks fan by any means so the league hasn't been healthy in 20 years it's healthy year for the leagues <laughs> it's healthy year for the league uh to have the knicks be good because new york's a big market and you know it just it just adds to it the the the, the lore of I, square garden and all that i think like Madison Square Garden is arguably not a home court advantage for the New York Knicks. You know what I mean? Because it's just such a big stage for everyone else who goes there. Mm -hmm. And there's something about the uh, the Knicks fans just crumbling that I find very enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I I, I like MSG for a couple of different reasons. One, uh, they were the I think one of the first arenas that had uh, dimmed lighting, uh, the theater lighting, which now Mm -hmm. a, a lot more arenas have, I think them and the Lakers uh, had it at the old forum. 
Um, and I also like their piano player. Uh, they had their, <laughs> you know, they, they, they had all these, uh, yeah. they had video of the guy from the, from the top too. So uh, the Knicks, where was I? And then the Warriors, because they've won it before. And I, I like Steph Curry overall. Uh, the Suns are, are late because I don't want to see Kevin Durant succeed. I, oh. I just don't. Um, then the Sixers, then Sixers Celtics is interesting because um, for a second, I actually had the Celtics ahead of the Sixers, meaning I want, I'd rather have the Celtics win than the Sixers. But then I checked myself. I was like, what the hell am I saying? And the only reason I was in this little uh, tussle in my, in my head was because I, I just don't like Joel Embiid. Just don't like him. What is it about him? I, I think his... I don't like to see big men who can dominate not dominate consistently, which is one of the one of the, one of the reasons I have an issue with the way Anthony Davis is playing overall in this in this playoffs. You like with the inconsistent nights. I don't like the inconsistent yeah. nights. Uh, I don't like letting your uh, defender off the hook way too many times. Uh, I know they're up in that series. The, the, the Sixers are, but I, I just feel Embiid applies himself, um, you know, not not consistently enough. Yeah, well, speaking of AD, like he, you know, it's kind of confusing as of the time of this recording, whether in fact he did suffer a concussion or not. Like they put him in concussion protocols, but no one has officially come out and said that he did suffer a concussion. And then like the him getting carried off in a in a wheelchair uh, during the game. I hate to say it, but my first thought was Paul Pierce. And I was like, please don't tell me this man pooped himself. Um, that was my first thought. <laughs> but then I was also like, I hope he's okay. And then we saw him walking, leaving. And then they were like, yeah, he, feel, he felt woozy. The, the official reports are he felt woozy. And then it's like, okay, like, don't we have the ability to know like if it is or isn't a concussion and i feel like they don't want to explicitly say it was because that puts him into a whole other set of protocols and maybe that means he's not available for the next game which is kind of shady it's kind of the same reason you uh hide the fact that you had covid right yeah 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 a, a random illness of all the symptoms of covid yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I hope he's okay. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, no, th these playoffs overall are, are the, the, the best ones that I have enjoyed in recent memory. That, that's for sure. I completely agree. I think the NBA parody has really, like, opened everything up. Um, I have been shocked many times over, and it's only the second round. Um, I will say, wait, do I have something to say about this series? Oh, yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you about Lakers Warriors before we move on everyone else, and we'll talk more about Embiid. Um, do you think the Warriors can come back in seven, or do you think the Lakers have this? Uh, no, the Warriors can definitely come back. Uh, they can definitely come back. With, with, with that kind of firepower, you are never out of a game or a series, so I would not uh, you know, write them off by, by any means. Uh, so, in fact, I... If I had, if I don't bet on on sports as a, as a rule, but mm -hmm. if I had to bet, I would probably put some money on the Warriors. Uh, but but you also mentioned uh, uh, something interesting about parity. Um, mm -hmm. Usually, when you get parity, parity sometimes comes at the expense of quality, uh, mm -hmm. where the play the level the quality of play dips across the board because maybe you don't have you know enough good players across the league. But what's different about this postseason is that you have parity, but the quality of play has not dipped. Uh, it, it's it's been quite high for the most part, so that's that's been enjoyable. 
Um, yeah, that's actually a great, um, that's a great point. That's a great way to put it. Uh, I know I felt the same way. I think I, I, I can't bet against the Warriors, but I do feel like LA has a lot of momentum in their favor pending Anthony Davis's health. Obviously that would be a massive uh, blow to their team, but I just feel like they've gotten the support from their supporting cast, so to speak. You know, we had that big Lionel Walker, the fourth game. And I just feel like they have guys stepping up for them the way the Warriors did last year. And I feel like they don't have that kind of support this year. And it just feels like so much has been put onto that core. And like Clay is kind of inconsistent. And it's just like, I don't know. There's just, it's Steph Curry carrying this whole team to the finish line, it feels like this year. It is. It, it is. And, you know, like uh, on a Canadian note, like, you know, a, as good as Andrew Wiggins has been as a, a, you know, he's still sort of a role player for them. And I really wanted Andrew Wiggins to, I, I don't know if you remember when Andrew Wiggins was in college in uh, KU, uh, there was a lot of hype. There was a whole tank mm-hmm. for Wiggins movement. You know, people wanted to ship Kyle Lowry. In fact, Masai, it wasn't the rumor that he actually, uh, did try to trade Kyle Lowry and the Knicks are the ones that actually rebuffed the move at the end. So there was a lot of hype around, uh, around Wiggins at the time. And I don't think he's necessarily panned out to expectations. Uh, I, I was hoping that he would sort of become a, a tier two player in this league. Uh, but see, he sort of found himself as a role player, which, you know, good for him. But I, I just thought he would maybe be the, uh, take over the mantle of, you know, Jordan Poole maybe, but that's not happening. Yeah, I mean, I feel like with Wiggins getting traded to the Timberwolves, right, that Kevin Love trade, um, I feel like he just got put into a culture that wasn't about winning. And then I think that to some degree probably hampered his his growth, right, and his development. And then I feel like with the Warriors, he was really able to kind of reinvent himself, Uh, which he desperately needed. Like it felt like almost like a bit of a Hail Mary when the Warriors took him in. And then obviously last year it really paid off. But like Jordan Poole, like he had a decent game five, but overall has had a pretty disappointing playoffs. Mm -hmm. He's really disappeared for them. And I feel like he's like a difference maker for this team. And I don't know if that goes back to the Draymond Green punch or like, you know, what that is, if it's just like personalities have clashed all season long or or what, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they move him in the off season, regardless of what happens. It I just agree. Like yeah. He needs a fresh start somewhere. I think I saw a report um, when I was just browsing the news that like there are rumblings of people saying he needs to quote, get out of Steph Curry's shadow. Um, I think that's hilarious. Uh, I don't think that's true, but um but yeah, I do think they'll probably end up moving him regardless of what happens. I hope this game, this series goes to a game seven because I want more of it. I just don't want it to end. But I do think the Lakers have a lot going for them. And I have doubted the Lakers this entire playoffs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think any uh, if, if I, you know, I, I'm when I said put money on the Warriors, uh, I kind of was thinking of the ROI of the money coming back. Uh, the <laughs> likelihood of win the win the yeah series. yeah I mean if it goes to a game seven I would pick the Warriors yeah because that's um, a game yeah and I, I think somebody asked Steve Kerr the other day a, a pretty dumb question uh, and they 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 asked him like are you getting the same vibes with this Warriors team that you got in the last season of the Bulls uh, team the Bull the the last dance team and and oh, I was like wow. I was like man that's 
like I, I get it. Like your team's down in the first round and you're facing an uphill climb and maybe you'll do a partial blow up of the team. But in by no means do I think this is the end of the Warriors as we know them. They're a, and as you said, they have they have the assets to retool through pool. Hey, that should uh-huh. be like a thing on Twitter, maybe. I'm not on Twitter, but retool. retool <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so that, that they always have that option. So they can. Uh, it's not like this is this is it for them. Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. I, I all the talk about this dynasty being over, I think, is absolutely ridiculous. Steph Curry is playing out of his mind. And as long as he's that good, you still have a chance and you still continue to build around him. I think this core, even if they lose this series, has realistically another two seasons, mm-hmm. I yep. think, to, to win another championship. And then I think it's actually like legitimately over. Yeah. Um, and it's not like you have a, uh, you know, I don't think we've had since, I don't know, a decade. I mean, last time I can I can think of is like maybe the Warriors or the Spurs or... Uh, not, 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 the, not the Spurs, like the, 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 the Lakers with uh, Shaq and Kobe or the Warriors uh, with obviously with, with Steph or you go back to the Bulls with Jordan where you had an absolute freaking wall in your conference which you can't get past. You don't even bother trying. Um, we don't have that in the NBA anymore. So uh-huh. the chances of you, uh, you know, going for a ring are not are, are not unrealistic or they, they don't seem like laughable that they're 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 reasonable strategic choices you can make to compete for a championship without sounding stupid and whoever wins this year the odds of them repeating very little yeah very little um yeah i agree uh let's talk about joel and b you know we talked about him a bit earlier uh, just about um you know some inconsistencies one thing that really stuck out to me and it stuck out to a lot of people was um in that game that I think it was their game five, the one that went to overtime and PJ Tucker got like an and one and then got like really in his face. Mm -hmm. And it really did feel like he didn't want the ball in that moment. And PJ Tucker was kind of forced to take this shot. And it was like, good for him for immediately getting in his face. Like you can't not want the ball in Mm -hmm. a moment like this. And I thought that was very telling, but then he kind of did come back and was like, kind of seizing the moment a bit more, but it does feel like he has these moments where nerves get the better of him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, in, in, in the last game, then he hit a couple of, you know, good mid range jumpers uh, just to kind of like ice the game when Boston was trying to make a, make a comeback. Uh, yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I've never been a, you know, obviously he's a MVP and all that, but I've never, you know, necessarily enjoyed his competitive uh, competitiveness. Like I don't, I don't think he's as competitive as he should be, or at least I, I don't think he's as competitive as much a player needs to be for me to enjoy them. Uh-huh, uh, like, uh-huh. like one of the reasons we we loved Kobe, we loved Jordan, because they were freaking maniacs. They were insanely competitive players. Like Jimmy Butler is another example, uh-huh. an insanely competitive guy. Um, I personally enjoy those players. I don't see that in Joel Embiid, so I enjoy him less. So I'm not necessarily an Embiid hater. I do have a, a rationale for not enjoying him. Uh, and that basically is 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 it. And it's also one of the one of the reasons I I sort of uh, hate but respect the Celtics a little bit. Um, maybe not this or Marcus Smart, for example, like very competitive players who like leave it on the floor, as the proverbial saying goes. You know, I, I enjoy that. And I don't I don't I don't sense that from Embiid. 
Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, how did you feel about him winning the MVP this year? MVPs, I mean, I, I don't like these awards. I think the best thing the NBA did is to release those like player uh, survey results um, because I care way more than what your peers think of you than what somebody who watches five of your games thinks of you. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the media is, I, I honestly don't think in any position to vote on who the best player in the NBA is. They, they don't, I mean, even though there's like league pass and all that, they don't watch enough games. Uh, they have too many biases. They ha- just like you and I have our favorite players. They have their favorite players. There's too much going on there for, for me to kind of like take that as a as a yeah you're the you're the most valuable player in the NBA. No, I I don't I don't no I, I don't I don't think so. Not for me. Right. Uh, who would have been your MVP? Jimmy Butler. <laughs> really? Oh, that's so easy to say now. No, no. Uh, uh, I, I'll tell you who, like, uh, uh, you know, I, that's a good question. I, what the hell does an MVP really mean? Uh, you know, it's always like, is it the best player in the league or is it the person who was most valuable to their team and contributed to most to the mm-hmm. wins of that team? Well, I mean, if you're going to go by that definition, I don't think the Lakers are winning any games without LeBron. I mean, he's 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 really the quarterbacking the entire thing, uh, you know, on, on most nights. Um, ah, man, I, I I don't know about that question. Uh, That's fine. It was not I'd, on our list. I'd uh, I'd give you. it to. I, this is not hindsight. Uh, the person that I like enjoy the most in the league has been Curry for a while, because mm-hmm. I'm a little guy, so I respect shooting and I like shooting. So uh, I've always loved Curry. Yeah, I mean, some of these greats like LeBron and stuff, it's like weird when like you look back at their whole career and it's like, wait, why do you only have like two MVPs Mm -hmm. or something? You know what I mean? Curry has two, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Um, I I, I remember on this MVP note, I I remember in uh, 19, the last dance year. No, sorry, not the last. Yeah, the last dance year. Uh, the second Jazz Championship, the, sorry, the, the third Bulls Championship, the second time they met Utah in the finals. Sorry, I'll correct myself. The the year before the last dance, Jordan uh, had won MVP the year before when they beat Seattle in the in the, in the finals with Sean Kemp and Gary Payton. And in the next year, Carl uh, Malone had an amazing season, and they gave the MVP to Carl Malone, which I thought was freaking stupid. I was like, what are you <laughs> by giving Carl goddamn Malone? Like, He's just have- so impossibly unlikable. Well, at the time, we didn't know all the stuff that we know now about Carl. No, I think he was unlikable at the time. He was like, he, he was the, the hick from French Lick, kind of like. You know, I, I mean, know. I just, I remember. Oh, sorry, that's Larry Bird, my bad, my bad. But he, he was the hick from jazz, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I have this, like, vague memory of watching those games as a kid. And he did this, like, weird thing where he would, like, talk to himself at the free throw mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why is he doing that? Yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah, I remember that. I mean, but Hornacek had the, he used to rub the side of his face. Yeah, that's right. And then they later asked him, hey, wh- why are you rubbing your face on free? He goes like, well, I'm trying to say hi to my kids, but I can't go like this. So my way of saying hi is rubbing my face. Well, that's cute, I guess. I don't know, that team just had a vibe. They just had a villainous vibe about them. That's all I can really yeah. say say about them. But I think with this series, like with going back to Sixers and Celtics, I think the Sixers need it more. Like if they lose in the second round again, 
Mm-hmm. I don't know what happens with Doc Rivers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where this team goes from here. What happens with James Harden? You know what I mean? It just leaves so many questions. But if they get over this hump, and even if they lose in the Eastern Conference Finals, I feel like they still keep it together somehow. Yeah, like, I just uh, feel like there's so much more at stake with them. Where, like, with the Celtics, it's like if they lose in this round, I still think they run it back. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it, it might motivate the Sixers to keep it all together and give it another go. Because I would imagine whoever comes out of the Miami Knicks series will be the underdogs in the East Finals, mm-hmm. no matter who comes Probably out. the Heat. I mean, right. I know the Knicks won their last game, but it doesn't feel like they have right. so momentum. Right, so the Heat, you know, I, I highly doubt uh, the Heat can... Although with Jimmy Butler, he's got that, uh, you know, with Tobias Harris, he does not like him. So he might elevate his game to whole new levels. So it would actually be so fun to see him yeah. go up against the 76ers. Yes. Because he left them for the for the Heat. And he uh, criticized. No, 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 no. I don't he think didn't? he left them for the Heat. I think the Sixers chose Tobias Harris. Oh, they chose Harris. not to sign him. Oh, and and there's, right. a clip, there's a clip of uh, Jimmy Butler like I think after beating the Sixers, he yells in the in the in the hallway. He's like, "Tobias Harris over me!" Like it, it's, uh, it's, it's. I forgot about that. You're absolutely yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be a, a, an awesome series to watch. Actually, I'm rooting for that now. I had the Celtics winning, but my bracket has exploded like ten times over already. So that's fine. Mm-hmm. I um I okay. Let's talk about your Heat Knicks for a second here. Mm-hmm. Um, I say your Heat Knicks because I actually do remember those rivalries. I'm also old, but um, I I did enjoy those rivalries. I cannot believe this Miami Heat team turned things around the way they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still remember the fact that they lost in the play-in against the Hawks. Mm-hmm. And it was like a brutal loss. I thought this team was over. I mm-hmm. thought they were going to blow it up. And then now here we are. And it's like they are Eastern Conference Finals bound once again i mean i guess i'm jumping to conclusions here sorry Knicks fans but i kind of am and you know I, I i don't know i think they have a shot against either the 76ers or the celtics um the heat are interesting because uh they, they also they don't have tyler harrow yeah hero, they've been to i i think it's hero hero yeah uh they, wow. which is a huge loss for them Right. That's that's massive for them because he, he, he did a lot of things for that for that team. Uh, they and Max, they're getting production out of Max uh, Struess, man. That dude, dude is she's he's, really stepped up. He has stepped up. And I think Kyle Lowry has settled into a backup role nicely. Uh, Jimmy Butler, you just know that he's going to elevate his game. Uh, I think Bam Adebayo at the point, uh, which they play a lot in, in a ball handling situation, has worked out for them. Uh, I, I think so, I was kind of thinking about like, you know, taking a Raptors angle at this is that why don't the Raptors have an equal amount of success with uh, with Pascal running that kind of the point forward as much as the Heat do with Adebayo? And I thought about this a little bit and I, and I saw some like tape. Like, I didn't sit down and break down tape, but I just just watching the games um, like the, the Heat are just a, they just have a lot of like shooters that come off screens like the, and the Raptors just don't have that mm-hmm. so Adebayo has like plenty of options to hit coming off down screens or on the wing or flares and th- th- there there are th- th- there are players who are actively trying to get open 
into a particular spot, which they know they'll receive the ball there and they'll shoot. And they also happen to be half-decent shooters. Well, there was the Raptors, in contrast, sort of Pascal brings it up, and I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah, I don't think he knows what's going on. I don't think he knows what's going on either. Yeah. And then it just, you're right. And then it just ends up being a lot of ISO. And I also think too, like, I think with Pascal, like, before we got Yaka Pertle, I just don't think he is meant to be a center. Like, yes, he can play center, but is that where he's meant to thrive? Like, I don't think so. Pascal? Yeah. Well, I don't think not. Absolutely. No, but it was just like he was kind of like miscast in that role because we didn't have anyone else. And I think that also hurt him. Yeah, I, I think sometimes we confuse the biggest guy on the floor as being the center, which is not like if PJ mm-hmm. Tucker is a good example, like he, he can yep. play center better than Pascal can. Um, it's it, it, and, and I'm glad that the NBA is sort of normalizing back to the return of the big man. I think it makes for a more watchable game. Uh, mm-hmm. I was never a, a big fan of the, you know, the Phoenix Suns for example, or or any team that tried to replicate them uh, in, in terms of the run and gun, Steve Nash, Sotomayor stuff. I, I like more diverse basketball where you have a big man, you can you can run plays in. So it's nice to see like the Lakers with Davis, uh, Jokic obviously in Denver, Embiid, and maybe Adebayo to a lesser degree, just have a little bit more success uh, by, by playing a more half-court style of game. Because I think what's, what's old becomes new and what's new becomes old and it's all a cycle. And I guess what I'm trying to say is JV's going to win MVP next year. <laughs> uh, I would love for that. I would love for a JV revenge season. That would be amazing. I uh, I completely agree. I mean, actually, this is, I mean, maybe I should save this for my Raptors moment, but we're kind of here now. Um, one thing I've talked about a lot on this podcast is that I've never been a fan of the whole six foot nine vision thing and I've always been like complaining that we didn't have a proper center because I just feel like as long as there's big men in this league you're going to need someone who can defend them I mean look at the Warriors right now I mean I think Draymond Green is like what like I mean he made all defense like second team he is a great defender but he is consistently undersized in that position and it hurts them it's not a 6-9 vision. It was a 6-9 hallucination. Um, Thank you. Oh, that's a good quote. But I, I will, uh, you know, it's always, in hindsight, it's always twenty twenty. Uh, I'm on the record. I think I wrote a piece about this as well, is that the 6-9 thing was an experiment. Like, it's not like we were going anywhere, right? Ooh. It's not like we, it's not like the opportunity cost of going with a 6-9 experiment was something great. It's not like we passed up on a title or we missed out on some crazy opportunity. Like, we tried something different and it didn't work which is okay did we did we try it for too long maybe three four months too long but i don't think it was more than that it's not like we wasted like if you want to make a contrast to previous raptor organizations uh brian colangelo wasted freaking four bloody years on andrea barniani yeah yeah right so it's not like we didn't cut our losses when we saw that the roi wasn't there so i'm okay with the six nine uh experiment and i think uh it, it's i can see where Masai is coming from because as much as we like to uh tell ourselves toronto is still not necessarily a market where people are dying to come and play uh it's gotten better over time i mean we have a we're a great city love toronto everybody who comes here loves it but it's not your first choice when you are trying to make free agent decisions so you have to sort of innovate and you know necessity breeds innovation and in this case this was an attempt at innovation which i appreciate and and i don't necessarily hold uh, the raptors at fault for uh for trying it again as i said maybe uh, maybe a little too long but overall it's i think it's a, it's a fair play 
Yeah, I think that's a very fair and uh, respectable way to look at things as opposed to the emotions of most fans that get up in arms about it, uh, maybe myself included. Um, well, let's move on and talk about the Raptors a bit because we're kind of already here. Um, the All-NBA teams came out and Pascal Siakam did not make the list uh, unfortunately, which means he doesn't qualify for Supermax. I mean, first of all, talk about like, I personally think it's absolutely ridiculous that the media would have such sway. Like I like for the media to have a say in who gets a Supermax and who doesn't based on these votes, I think is like way too much power. I agree. I, I, it's I way too much power. Like it is absolutely wild that that's even a thing. But with that being said, you know, how does this affect uh, Pascal's offseason now? Uh, I don't know how it, I mean, I think he, I'm sure he's disappointed and I don't think he deserved an all NBA team by any means. Um, you know, I, I, I think whenever you are vote, but, but I agree with you. I, I don't think media should be voting on this. I think we should, we should, we should look at peer voting. If anything, yeah, players, coaches. Yeah. Which means hell of a lot more than, than anything else. Um, but even that feels weird to dictate your um, your performance. But I guess that's how organizations work too. Like if you work at a company, uh, you get peer feedback, and your peer feedback determines how well you do in your organization. So I guess it, it certainly makes more sense. But if you work in a regular like company, can you imagine like asking like a like if you work in a bank, can you asking a stock market analyst to give you determine your pay raise? It makes no freaking sense. So it's the same analogy here. Why would you get somebody else who has nothing to do, nothing, who knows nothing about how you work, only only measures the output on the box score to determine what you think? It makes no sense. Uh, how does it affect Pascal's offseason? I don't know. Um, it doesn't? Like, well, why would it affect his offseason? Well, if he doesn't qualify for the Supermax, like, He's doesn't that... less hard now or what? No, but I mean, I think in, a, in some respects, it kind of opens up some questions in terms of, like, I mean, not that he wouldn't resign with Toronto or anything, but it would give the team more flexibility in terms of moving him. Do you think mm -hmm. that's something they're considering? I think I, I I don't know what they're considering, but I think I don't think anybody's off the table. Uh, I think Pascal is one of them. I think he's at the age where you have to you know ask. Maybe maybe you could have asked that even last year, uh, last summer. I think the question is was valid last summer as well. Is that has this guy kind of hit his plateau? Uh, yeah, I think if, if Samson was on this podcast, he'd give you like 40 different stats and 18 different videos to say, no, well, he's doing this differently now than that. <laughs> and all those would be valid points. But macro level, um, has he has he transcended into a player that can be the first option on a championship team? I don't think he was that last year. I don't think he's this year. Uh, and expecting him to be that, I think, is setting, up yourself, setting yourself up for disappointment. Um, I am... I know that sounds harsh to some people, but I, I just, you know, I, I'm I'm an old head, so I, I kind of make my mental models go. But I still think in terms of you need a main big dog to build a championship team around. I don't think there are too many Detroit Pistons type teams uh, in this world where you have like a, you know, a, like the O four Pistons. Yeah, yeah, the O four Pistons. Like who, who was the last team that I would think did not have a legitimate like a number one superstar and won the title. Um, I don't think there's too many of those around, and I don't think the Raptors currently possess a player who will become that. Maybe Scotty Barnes, maybe, maybe, uh, but there's certainly not Pascal. Yeah, um, I agree. I think we all kind of 
realize that he probably is like the second best player on a championship team. It's just hard to get those number ones. And I feel like a lot of what this team is doing is kind of like rolling the dice and banking on Scotty Barnes becoming that guy. That's how I feel. I don't know if that's true or not, but I don't know if Scotty's going to be that guy. I mean, I do think he's a very talented player and he did say that he, you know, during his like season ending, like interviews, that he would put in more work this summer. So I'm very curious to see who he's going to be next year. But if he doesn't have that will to to work in the offseason as hard as Pascal has, Fred has, you know, DeMar DeRozan did, then he's going to end up hitting a ceiling far sooner than he should. And that, I think, is a big kind of what if for us. Yeah, I mean, that's where culture comes into play, right? I think that's what Masai sort of stressed in, in his presser as well, is that, uh, yeah, you will, you, you will have, you know, I, I think you made the point earlier about uh, Andrew Wiggins mm-hmm. and how he was in a losing culture, which maybe affected his development. Uh, I think one of the dangers of losing is that it creates a culture of losing. And uh, I think Masai is smart enough to recognize that and he probably has made a some calculation in his head, which so which which basically says that if the Raptors keep on losing, it will result in poorer culture, and it will result in players exactly like Scotty Barnes not developing to their full capability. Um, so I think that calculus has gone into the management's head, uh, and I think that's why they made the made the coaching change because um, I think the culture was starting to slip. I, I don't think this team necessarily liked each other, to be honest with you. Yeah, it didn't seem like it did it. It felt like it was almost like people are kind of in their own cliques. Um, things felt like they were getting really bad towards the end, becoming like obvious to the outsider, which is never good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, as much as I, you know, loved Nick Nurse before, I mean, I've talked about how I felt like he changed over the years and he wasn't necessarily that same guy anymore. Um, well, speaking of that, let's talk about this coaching search because the latest rumors are, you know, J.J. Redick was interviewed. Um, I personally think this was just for J.J. Redick PR. Uh, I don't think he's a serious candidate. Uh, if you were to get the job, he'd be one of the most underqualified head coaching hires in recent history. I mean, even people like mentioned Steve Nash. It's like Steve Nash was a consultant with the Warriors and obviously was a two-time MVP, et cetera, et cetera, really kind of revolutionized offense for the the era that he was in. I mean, J.J. Redick was like a solid veteran. I don't believe he got past the semifinals. I'm trying to remember if he was ever in a Western Conference final. I don't think he was. I think with the Clippers, he got to the semifinals, and I think he got to the semifinals with the 76ers. So, I mean, it's just he doesn't have experience on the bench. He doesn't. He hasn't won a championship as a player, gone that deep. I, you know, he's a great analyst. He's a great guy, but I just, I don't know. I think it's very interesting how like certain candidates get a lot of press and not necessarily others. And there's no way they've only interviewed uh, JJ Redick and Becky Hammond. So I think that's always something to like kind of pay attention to as Raptors fans, um, why some people get press and others don't. But yeah, so I've got on a tangent here. What what do you think? Uh, I, I think there's sometimes it's becoming a little fashionable to hire younger coaches. Um, I think the, the the oldest example is probably Spolstra. You know, hire a guy out of the film room, 
Uh, I think Boston went with younger coaches. Um, you don't necessarily need to be like an old head to be an NBA coach. So th- th- there is there there is an exciting prospect of having a young coach who can relate to the players more. There's something to be said for that. I, I don't know how much what what factor it plays into the the overall you know decision to hire a person, uh, but you know having age. Uh, kind of parity with the with with the player and coach there there's definitely something there uh so i'm not you know i'm not excited about jj reddick as a, as the raptors head coach because i agree i think he, he first of all he talks too much <laughs> uh, you know, talks way too much uh so not thrilled about that but i like the idea of trying to go for uh somebody on the on the younger side of things who can sort of grow with the team I remember like one of the one of the one advice that somebody gave me a long time ago, well before I have kids, is that hey, is that, hey man, with kids you don't want to parent them. You want to grow up with your kids uh, so that you you together experience life and you together experience like you know the, the things that they, they get thrown at you. And I, and I thought that was half decent advice, which which sort of served me okay. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, You're giving I, that advice a solid six out of ten. Okay. 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 Uh, that worked for me. Uh, so uh, with JJ Redick, not super thrilled, but I like the idea of going with a younger coach who 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 can maybe grow up with a younger core. Yeah, I think I, I said it last week as well. I think that I I think a, a former player would be good for this team. I think that type of voice would be would work really well. Mind you, we don't know who this team is going to be next mm-hmm. year. But based on who we have, like, I, yeah, I do think a former player would be really good. I just think, like, J.J. Redick, it would be great if he had a few years on someone else's bench first I, before jumping into the to the head coaching position, personally. You know, speaking of people who have been on other people's benches, anytime a coaching job opens up, I don't know why, but I'm always like, what does Patrick Ewing have to do to get – a freaking coaching gig. The dude has been, you know, like just hanging around NBA benches for years. And I don't think he's ever going to get a job. And everybody in the league knows that he desperately wants one. He's been open about it. I don't know how he interviews, but it can't be that good because, man, oh, man, the dude, like, I, I, I'm. I thought he kind of gave up on it, but I, well, I he, must yeah, be he wrong. Gave up on it now, like, I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, I have no idea why. I mean, you know, Oakley had it, he tried it for coaching, then he decided it wasn't for him, too. Yeah. Um, but, like, is Patrick is Patrick Ewing on a team right now? I, th- I think he's a, is he, I th- yes, he, he is with some NBA club. I'm, I'm not sure which one. Oh, but, okay. Uh, Interesting. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I don't know how many people the Raptors are interviewing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they're definitely taking their time with it. Also, okay, low-key, I feel like it's not talked about enough. Uh, if the for when you think about the coaches are, that are available, uh, if the Celtics lose this series, Joe Mazzulla could easily get fired. That would be like a very hot ticket for any coach. Um, if the Suns lose against Denver, um, Monty could be out, and then that would be a huge get as well. So I just mm-hmm. feel like the coaching vacancies aren't totally like complete yet. Which kind of makes me laugh when like Ime Udoka signed with the Rockets and he said this was the best situation. I was like, 
the situations aren't over yet. I mean, then suddenly like Mike Bootenholzer loses his job and I'm like, uh, I'm pretty sure Milwaukee would have been the best situation actually. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, of the, of the people you named, uh, none of them excited me. Um, honestly, uh, I, I don't, I, I would, I would actually rather go and try to find a, a new head coach who has not been a head coach before, rather than go with somebody who kind of everybody knows what the, what they're all about. I, I'm, I'm seeing from a fan's perspective. Uh, I, I think there's something exciting about uh, a, a new direction or, or new ideas. Uh, and I think uh, when you when you recycle coaches from other teams, you kind of get the, the similar playbooks and. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm just as a fan, I, I'd like to see somebody who has not been a coach before. So which is one of the reasons J.J. Reddick excited me. But again, not J.J. Reddick. The guy talks too much. Well, that's why I wasn't a huge fan of the Mike Bootenholzer talk that was mm -hmm. happening, like literally like doing like a coaching swap with him and Nick Nurse. I was like, no, that... How, that, how that guy. It is inexcusable. I mean, high school coaches can get fired for this. How he did not call a timeout in mm -hmm. regulation when Butler scored there like that that is an automatic timeout and i had this, uh, this debate with a couple of people and they're like well uh, players can call timeouts too yeah but they shouldn't have to your job is to monitor the clock and manage the game and that that shot goes in you run to the court with, with tea in your freaking hands and the fact that milwaukee was not able to call the timeout it's like a it, it's a it, it's a very it's one moment but it i think speaks volumes it's it's sort of analogous to that moment in game three against LeBron, where Casey allowed LeBron to get a shot off. Yeah, the game winner off the off the left side of the court. It was like just not being situationally aware, and how a coach cannot be situationally aware in that key moment of the season just blows my mind. Yeah, and I think like uh, the his lack of willing to make adjustments it's not that he wasn't able to i think he just wasn't willing to and i think like that's actually a big part of his legacy also too i think like you know when people are talking about nick nurse to the bucks like i think nick nurse needs a year off at least i think he needs to regroup and i think he needs to kind of find himself he needs to find his 2019 self again uh somewhere and then maybe he can resurface a bit probably with bootenholzer as well i think he's been going through some personal stuff um, and yeah, I agree. I, how do you feel about Jerry Stackhouse? Uh, so rounding off the Nick Nurse thing, I, I, I think the success sort of went to his head a little bit. Uh, I, yeah, I uh, that seems to be the consensus. I agree. Um, I, you know, just a little, little too many bands and calendars coming out in his name. Uh, um, I know. It's all my <laughs> fault. It's all my fault. Uh, I like Stackhouse. Uh, I, I enjoyed Stackhouse as a player. Uh, I thought he was a hard-nosed North Carolina guy. Uh, I love North Carolina players, so big fan of Stackhouse. I think he's paid his dues in the league. Uh, would love to see what kind of ideas he has. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, to, give, me, give me Stackhouse over J.J. Redick any day. I'm with you. I think out of all the names I've heard floating around for this job, Jerry Stackhouse uh, is the one I would be rooting for. Um, I mean, I love Becky Hammond as well, but I just think she's in such a great situation with the Aces. Like, I don't know why she would leave. And then she'd have to like abruptly leave them like midseason. So I just think the timing for that is kind of off. But yeah, I think Jerry Stackhouse would be an excellent choice for this team. And, you know, I don't see any Shamsharania tweets about him. So... Mm -hmm curious as to why that's the case maybe he doesn't feel like it's juicy enough 
Um, or maybe Jerry's like, could you not tweet about me? I don't know how all that works, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's so far my favorite pick unless other names surface, which I'm sure they will because this, uh, coaching search has turned into like our free agency. Yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't scanned the uh, San Antonio bench in a while. I don't know who's left there. Uh, so we can always, uh, look at that. No idea. Yeah. 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 I mean, and who knows how long Greg Popovich is going to, going to go. Yeah. He, uh, uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think the coach, the coaching search is, I'm, I'm glad they made the move. Uh, I'm glad they made it quickly. Uh, I'm glad they made it before the end of season presser. Uh, I think you just remove that, uh, you know, that that cloud immediately. Now they just got to hire somebody. I, like, I'm actually surprised they haven't hired anybody yet uh, because I thought that they would already have some target in mind. Or maybe, as you said, they're waiting on the situations in the playoffs to materialize before making a play. Um, the fact that they haven't hired somebody yet tells me that the person that they may be wanting to hire currently has a job. Yeah, that's what I think. Um yeah, before we uh, wrap up here, Zarar, I uh, I want to ask you, I, I didn't have this in our list, so I'm just thinking of this spontaneously, but uh, what would you like to see happen with this Raptors team this offseason? Uh, I'd like to see uh, Fred Van Liet moved. Uh, I think Gary Trent Jr. is uh, done as well. Uh, I, I think uh, Van Liet, uh, I, I'm a big fan of Gary Trent Jr., but if you're a specialist and you're not great at the specialization that you're a specialist in that's a big problem i don't think yeah he's made some defensive improvements overall but i don't think it makes up for his just complete lack of situational three-point shooting uh we need you to hit open three-pointers in key games that's what you get paid to do and he frankly has not done that so he's definitely out uh fred van Vliet, um did not like his jj reddick interview uh, I, I thought it did not show the leadership that we expect of him. Uh, you don't go blab about internal team stuff on podcasts. You just don't do that. And he looked like he was sulking the entire time. Uh, and beyond that, I don't necessarily think he's a great quarterback of this team. I think I've said this many times that I don't like the fact that he has extended his three-point range even further out uh, to compensate for his lack of ability to drive. I don't think that's the right approach. So he's done. Um I don't know what we can get from that and sign in trades or whatever it is. So those two are definitely out. I would still obviously keep Pascal Siakam unless you get a freaking amazing offer for him. Um, I would retain obviously Scotty Barnes, um, you know, and then you have the riffraff, right? You have the Uh Delano Bantons and the Malachi Flynn's of the world. Uh, Those are all discardable assets. Uh, None of them excite me. Uh, Delano Banton, I don't think is is barely an NBA player. Um, so yeah, those are the two big moves that I would just just make. Wow, well, I mean those and are huge make, moves. And I would resign uh, Portal for sure. Yeah, yeah, we we were so desperate for. I mean, his presence alone got us from twelfth to ninth in the East. Yes, yes. So and that I think, was massive. I, mean, I think I mentioned this on. Um, uh, I, I don't know where, but um, yeah, I mean, you cannot be. 23rd in the league in pick and roll plays and be successful. Pick and roll is the bread and butter of basketball. You need to have an effective pick and roll game. And without uh, Pirtle, we have none. So mm-hmm. unless you're going to replace him with like with, with somebody else who's equally good or better, um, yeah, you got to resign him. 
Yeah, and I think they will. I'm sure they're planning on it. I mean, they traded next year's pick for him, so they definitely got to. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's a very interesting take about Fred and Gary Trent Jr. I I mean, I don't disagree. I think it's just on a fan level. Maybe it's kind of hard to sometimes uh, see guys go. I just hope we don't lose them for nothing. I just hope that if they do walk, we can orchestrate some sign and trade for both of them because to lose both of them for nothing would really like that definitely hurts us going into next season for sure yeah yeah i i think we'll 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 get something out of it probably you know we, we kind of talked the same about kyle lowry remember uh we were saying like well would you let him expire or would you trade him at the deadline and you know i, I don't know what the fan um sentiment was at the time but I, i'm guessing a lot of people felt that we should trade him at the deadline because you can get more. And at the end, we got like a pick and we got precious. So that worked out well. Um, you know, I'm hoping for a similar outcome here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Zarar, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, I don't know if you have anything going on, but if you do, let people know what you're what you're up to. I got nothing going on. You got nothing going <laughs> on. Well, Honestly, there you're keeping started, track of your ROIs, you know. I, I did start a startup recently with a friend of mine, Barry Taylor. Uh, it's called. Okay, love Barry. That's huge. Yeah, we started uh, mycomedytickets.com, uh, which is a which is a site which sells comedy tickets uh, and it streamlines a lot of the industry's processes, like payments to club owners and so on. So we started this in uh, late Feb, March. And uh, we just crossed uh, 350 orders. So we're hoping to grow that. Amazing. Well, listen, if you're going to a live stand-up comedy show, uh, look out for that. What's the, what's the website again? It's called mycomedytickets.com. We're still adding shows. But, but by the way, I, I, speaking of comedy, um, I, I do want to say, like, I kind of threw you uh, right into the lion's den at the uh, RR Live podcast <laughs> where I was like, hey, here's Catherine, and you're doing a stand-up set. And I don't think anybody was expecting a stand-up set. No. That's great. But it was still, uh, I, I remember, man, I should have uh, set this up a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I kind of everyone was like a little confused. I was like, I'm still going to finish my time. <laughs> and then I did. Um, you know, I still had fun. I still had fun. A lot of people told me they enjoyed it, even though some people looked puzzled. Also, as an audience of almost all men, which is not something I typically do. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, there was that. But uh, yeah, uh, that was fun. Do Are we going to do more live events, you think? We are uh, going to do a live uh, draft party. Uh, I just got to look for a venue. Oh. If you have any ideas, let me know. We got we to book it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm going to have to start, for uh, you know, shifting my focus to that probably after this uh, this weekend's WNBA game, which uh, I'll be at, which is going to be uh, really fun. Um, Zora, thank you again. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Thank you for having me.